Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. First, some good news. We're continuing to highlight some organizations affiliated with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a martial art near and dear to my heart. The group we're highlighting this week is Black Belts for Butterflies. This organization has sort of an interesting beginning. It started as a way to support the victims and keep in our memories the victims of the Sandy Hook elementary shooting, that horrific tragedy. Since then, the organization has grown into a way to promote awareness and acceptance for autism. You can check out this organization at bb4bf.org. And that's the number four in there. So it's bb4bf.org. And I always try to highlight when I post these things, put them on social media. And this looks like maybe a little bit of a smaller organization. I wasn't finding much of a social media presence, but I think a wonderful cause. I appreciate that they still do some things to remember the victims of that horrific shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary. And I like that they've kind of morphed into something that they can they can do to help with autism. Both very important things. I think martial arts in general, sports in general, Brazilian jiu-jitsu specifically in this case, there is that community aspect to it, the communal experience of training together and even people that we don't train together you have some common experiences that you can share and I like when people use the things for which they are passionate to raise awareness and try to do good so if you get a chance check them out online at bb4bf.org that's black belts for butterflies This is Family Time 104, and we are talking about communication and setting. This falls under the relationship skills, social-emotional learning standard. It's kind of funny. We were talking in class the other day during one of our Family Time discussions. I don't even remember what the topic was. It was a week or two ago. But one of the students brought up how like sometimes let's say maybe they're getting ready for an event or like people are coming to their house or something like that or whatever it is or their their parent is upset with them about something so they've been very angry with them or kind of worked up and then all of a sudden people show up at the house or they have to go out in a public and then all of a sudden it's like boom all of a sudden the the parent is happy and smiling and whatever and it's It was just kind of funny to hear that from the student's perspective. I do remember that like in my own house and and not as a negative way, but I remember any time we were getting ready for like a birthday party or like if we were hosting a holiday and it was the mad dash to like make the house cleaner than it was at any other point in the year and try to get all the food ready and everything and 
my mom would be stressed and rightfully so. And I'm sure my brothers and I were probably not the most help getting ready, but it's like, I remember kind of disliking the buildup to these events because I knew it was just going to be kind of walking on eggshells around the house and just kind of high stress. And then I always liked when the event actually started because then it was like, ah, then my mom seemed like she was happy and good and those sorts of things. So it was kind of funny to hear a student talk about that. I I remember that. (laughs) I imagine I probably do some things like that as a parent where it's like, I don't know, I try not to be very negative with my kids in general and it's a little easier because there's just the two kids and me there's the three of us we're able to communicate fairly easily I think but but I'm sure I have those moments where maybe I'm on them about something and then you kind of back to normal happy face with somebody else and the student that brought this up was just kind of making the point like oh that's kind of funny how they can kind of like turn it on and off like that but we all do things like that we communicate a little differently based on the people with whom we're interacting and the setting. That's what we're going to discuss. I want to talk to all of you and and ask, what are some situations? First of all, do you change the way you communicate? Your tone, your word choices. Do you change the style of your communication based on the people with whom you're communicating and the setting? And if so, in what ways do you alter your communication? I think it's important to recognize that's not entirely bad. You probably talk a little differently at a job interview than you would hanging around a group of friends in a social situation. You probably also talk a little differently with your grandmother, then you might talk with your peers. We do alter the way we communicate a little bit. Sometimes if you're in with a new group of people and you don't really understand the established pecking order or what the relationships are, maybe we hang back a little bit and kind of feel things out. Other people kind of dive right in. Some of that's a personal thing as well just how we communicate individually. The other question I'm going to raise, though, is should we? Should we really alter the way that we communicate? Again, I think it's okay and appropriate to to maybe tweak some things a little bit, depending on the setting. That's That's understanding social norms, that's understanding social cues, and that's a very, very important skill for life. But I do think the closer we can align who we really are with how we're communicating in a variety of situations, the better. Like I talked about, we we might act differently in a job interview than we would with our friends, but the other thing is maybe we are in a job interview or on our first day at work, we are presenting the 
what we think is the best version of ourselves. We're dressed to the nines. We're trying to present who we think the most desirable version of ourselves is. And then sometimes we get into a job for a while and and we loosen up a little bit. That's not all bad either. It's good to get into a, a comfort zone with whatever we're doing. We're often better at whatever the task is when we are comfortable. But I think it's good to remember kind of the best of us that we wanted to show. I think it's important to remember what we were doing when we were trying to put our best foot forward. I think about that in the classroom setting when I'm teaching. I see so many teachers, myself included, we come into the profession, we're so gung-ho and we're fired up and we're going to change the world or we're going to inspire students and this is going to be fantastic. And after a while, which happens in any profession, we find out where the cracks are. We find out the things that are frustrating. We find out where some of the bureaucracy comes in and, and life happens. And every day isn't our first day. And we're 10 years into the profession and we have the days where we aren't supercharged up. Well, in those situations, I think it's important to remember what were we doing when we were trying to be our best? What I mean by that is not altering who we are, not changing the way we communicate, but how are we communicating? How are we presenting ourselves? What energy were we bringing to the situation when we were really amped up, really excited, really ready to be our best, the best version of ourselves? And if we can kind of close that gap between here's how I'm trying to present myself when I feel I'm at my best to kind of maybe here's where I'm at after I've been into this thing for a long time. If we can close that gap, I think the better we feel about ourselves. Then it's not changing our faces. We do that a lot in life. We put on a lot of different faces. For this situation, I'm going to kind of behave this way. For this situation, I'm going to kind of behave this way. Like I said, altering our communication a little bit isn't a bad thing. It's a, an important skill. But the closer we can get to just being and feeling the best version of ourselves all the time, that's great. Then we don't have to worry about, about changing that face, about taking on and off that mask and presenting ourselves in different ways. We can just be the most authentic version of ourselves. And hopefully, that is what we view as sort of the best version of ourselves. We've probably all had those situations too where we're in a social situation and we feel like, yeah, I feel comfortable here. I'm able to connect with people. I'm able to talk about these different things. And we've had social situations where we feel uncomfortable, awkward. I think that's actually when the student brought up the the parent maybe being upset or stressed out with them and then all of a sudden seeming just fine when other people were around. I think that was, we were talking about, uncomfortable social situations. I think we can be more comfortable in social situations if we're just being, this is the 
the best version of myself by my estimation, not by anyone else's opinion, but what I think is the best version of myself, I'm trying to present that at all times. And I'm not, I'm not altering who I am a lot. I, I think about that a lot in education because as a teacher, as a coach, we don't really get to turn it off. There are a lot of wonderful, wonderful things about education, but if you're a teacher, especially in a small community, like where I teach and coach, I'm, I am the teacher. I'm Mr. Nielsen. I'm Coach Nielsen on a Saturday afternoon going up to the grocery store in town, the same as I am if I'm in school. Because people see me and I'm trying to trying to be this authentic version of myself but making sure I'm staying professional that I'm that I'm being positive about things that I'm not doing anything that would undermine my credibility when I'm in school and that for me is just fine the, the closer I can be to this really I try to do that in every aspect of my life that I'm just this is who I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be authentically myself, but also continuing to learn and grow and just kind of be more or less the same version of myself in all settings. Again, maybe I might say something slightly different to a friend that I've had for 30 years than I would to a student in a classroom, and that's okay, but but the messages are the same. The attitude is the same. The, the essence of me is always there. And I think the more we can do that, the more we can kind of stop changing out our faces, putting on those masks, and presenting ourselves totally differently in different situations, the more comfortable we are, the happier we are. So continue to focus on the best version of yourself, the version of yourself you want to be, and how you can bring elements of that into any setting, into any communication with anyone. My blog post for this week is 75-year dream. I jot down a lot of notes. I have little scraps of paper all over with things written on them. I have several whiteboards around my house. Inspiration will sort of hit for something I want to create, something I want to write, something I want to draw. An idea will hit me and I try to jot it down immediately because they come at different times. I might wake up in the middle of the night with an idea or first thing in the morning. I might be working out or doing chores around the house and I don't want the idea to escape. Ideas are fleeting in that way. They sort of have to be wrangled and tied down so they don't get away. So I'll often just jot down these notes. Generally, I can figure out what I was thinking just by looking at a word or a couple of words, a phrase, and it takes me back. It brings me back to that moment of inspiration. But sometimes I'll look at a note I had written and not have any idea what I was talking about. That happened recently. I was looking at a note and it just said, 75-year dream. I thought, 
That is a pretty cool phrase. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds pretty awesome. I was racking my brain going through the cluttered files of my memory, and I still couldn't come up with what 75-year dream was supposed to mean. Then I thought, okay, I've been listening to a lot of Alan Watts lately. I wrote about that last week. Sounds like something Alan Watts might say. So I did a quick internet search. Sure enough, I found a discussion where Alan Watts is talking about a 75-year dream. In a less eloquent way than Alan Watts put it, here's basically what I took away from the 75-year dream. Because even after I found his discussion, I couldn't remember what it meant, what he had been talking about. So I re-listened to the lecture, and I'm glad that I did. It was a powerful message. Basically, the 75-year dream postulates this. What if we were able to go to sleep and dream an entire lifetime? All of the events in real time. What if we could go to sleep and dream for 75 years? And what if we had control over that dream? Well, we would probably start out Dreaming this idyllic life where everything was perfect and we didn't have any pain and we didn't experience any loss, we didn't suffer, where everything was good all the time. We would dream this personal utopia. But if we did that every time we went to sleep, every night when we laid down in bed, if we went to sleep and we dreamed an entire lifetime, we might do that for a while, but eventually it would get boring. We would get tired of this beautiful life we had created because there was no struggle. There was no suffering. There was no pain. And that's a part of life. That's what gives life its depth. It's texture. So, eventually, we would start adding some problems into the dream. We would start creating some obstacles for us to overcome. Some difficult paths for us to walk. If we did that again and again, we would, we would find the rewards of facing challenges, the perspective that comes through pain and suffering. And we would keep repeating this, we would keep adding trials, and we would get this blend of successes and failures, and eventually, we would wind up with something like the life we already have. We would wind up dreaming about our genuine existence. I liked that idea because it's easy for us to forget about what we do have. Just being alive, living. 
We forget about even the beauty of our challenges and our struggles because they give us the opportunities to learn and grow and develop perspective. And they make the good times sweeter. In that way, we're sort of living the dream. We are living what we might conjure in our minds. And if we had control over the dream, sure, we might change some things. But it's important to remember we can change things in our lives as well. We can take steps to get closer to what we would hope for. And we have to remember that the unpredictability of life is what makes it exciting. Because things don't go the way we always want them to go, we have variety and we have to adapt. And some of those things are challenging and some of those things are wonderful and unexpected. That's exciting. Just keep in mind that we're living the dream. We're living the dream we might create if we were able to do it again and again. This week's podcast is brought to you by eggs and egg-shaped foods. This episode should come out on Easter. For those of you who celebrate Easter, happy Easter. For those who do not, still... I hope you uh, are enjoying the weekend. I hope maybe you get a day off of work or something like that. Maybe tomorrow. Who knows? But I hope you're having a wonderful day. I like eggs. Apologies to my vegan friends, but I love me some eggs. I think they are delicious. Eggs, very versatile food. I prefer mine. Kind of just straight up. Sunny side up. I like the yolk. Get a good yolk. I get some farm fresh eggs from a good friend of mine from the Huseman family. Mr. Huseman, who I teach with, and his kids, Sophie and Henry, who kind of do a lot of work with the chickens. They have these farm fresh eggs. And I can test they are the best eggs. And I have I have explored this in depth. We've even brought a variety of eggs to school to compare how the yolk looks, how it stands up, the the firmness of the albumen, all those sorts of things. And these are some wonderful, wonderful eggs. I like a, a thick, rich, kind of orangish yolk in an egg. And I'm kind of all for the free-range chicken, that sort of thing. So, these are wonderful eggs. But anyway, I like eggs. I like the sunny side up. And I'll throw them on top of things. To me, it's sort of like a condiment, you know? Like, I'll do some potatoes and some meat or something like that and fry up some eggs and just throw the fried eggs right on top of them. Mix it in there and eat it. So, we eat a lot of eggs in our house. I go through a lot of eggs. I think they're delicious. Also... Whether you celebrate Easter or not, kind of a fun time for egg-shaped foods. You've got the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup eggs. Kind of fun. I think maybe, you know, I I like Reese's Peanut Butter Cup in general. But I would argue that maybe the holiday-shaped peanut butter cups 
even superior to the traditional Reese's cup. So you get a little more peanut butter, I feel like. Because you're kind of thicker in the middle. And they're just kind of fun to, I don't know, fun to eat things in shapes of stuff. So there's a lot of egg-shaped foods this time of year. You got the little, the robin's eggs, whoppers, all those sorts of things. So again, whether you celebrate Easter or not, enjoy some egg-shaped foods. Have a great day. Remember, you can always reach out to me at Luke Nielsen Media at Gmail. It's Luke Nielsen Media on pretty much all of the socials. I think I mentioned last week. I think you can get a Luke Nielsen Media on uh, app on your phone right now that just brings you to the website and stuff. But I was surprised when that popped up as an option on my phone. I haven't been real great posting some of the chapters and curriculum guide stuff for Ernest from Earth. Busy time of year right now. I coach track. We're in track season right now. But I'll get some more of that posted. I have some recorded and downloaded, so I just need to be a little bit better posting those up. I appreciate if you're following along with those things. Until next time, love yourself, love each other, love the fight. 